COP27 in Egypt must focus on food system. In any reimagination of food systems not unequal and strained, the world has to factor in climate change adaptation. This article is written by Vishoy Parajli. The United Nations Climate Change Conference COP26 held in Glasgow between October 31 and November 12, 2021 with a huge gathering generating headlines, criticism and some commitments. Government did commit to reducing greenhouse gas emission and put forth a record-shattering 356 million US dollars in new support from contributing national and regional governments to protect the most vulnerable but this is not enough to stay below the limits of 2 degrees celsius above pre-industrial levels cop26 fell far short of the ground breaking success many had hoped for a fragile planet is hanging by a thread it is time to go into emergency mode or our chance of reaching net zero will itself be zero said UN secretary general antonio guterres he added that we must build the resilience of vulnerable communities against the hair and now impacts of climate change and make good on the 100 billion dollars climate finance commitment to support developing countries climate crisis and hunger The agenda of ending world hunger and malnutrition in all its forms by 2030 is forcing formidable challenges as the climate crisis and hunger are linked inextricably and that along with several major drivers have put the world off track. This has been more so after the COVID-19 pandemic has doubled the population under chronic hunger from 130 million to 270 million. Analysis by UN United Nations World Food Program shows that a 2 degree Celsius rise in average global temperature from pre-industrial levels will see a staggering 189 million additional people in the grip of hunger. Vulnerable communities, a vast majority of whom rely on subsistence agriculture, fishing and livestock, and who contribute the least to the climate crisis will continue to bear the brunt of the impacts with limited means to cushion the blow the absence of social protection me- measures such as food safety nets forces the food insecure to depend on the humanitarian aid for survival across the world up to 811 million people do not have enough food and as per the recent WFP estimates 41 million people in 43 countries are at a risk of sliding into famine the poor and vulnerable continues to be hardest hit even though they contribute least to the greenhouse gas emission people in low income countries face the worst impacts the top 10 most food insecure countries contribute 0.08% of global carbon emission crop failures water scarcity and declining nutrition threaten millions who rely on agriculture fishing and livestock it must be reiterated that they are those who contribute the least to the climate crisis the climate crisis will impact food production and livelihoods but also as per the latest intergo governmental panel on climate change report threaten nutrition through multi bas a bread basket failures adaptation is urgent adaptations and resilience building for poor and vulnerable communities 
are critical for food security. The focus though has been on reducing emissions and targets related as these are essential to protect livelihoods and the food security of millions. In its outcome documents, the conference too could note of how climate and weather extremes and their adverse impacts on people and nature will continue to increase with rising temperature. There is a strong emphasis on the urgency of scaling up actions and support including finance, capacity building and technology transfer to enhance adaptive capacity, strengthen resilience and reduce vulnerability to climate change in line with the best available science and considering the priorities and the needs of developing country parties. Significantly, the statement welcomes the national adaptation plans that deepen the understanding and implementation of adaptation actions and priorities. This is an area where India has a huge role to play with its ongoing and now substantial policy works at the national and state levels. The outcome document also extends an invitation to the IPCC to present at the COP27 in Egypt. The funding from the contribution of the working group second to its sixth assessment report, including adaptation needs to further the understanding of global, regional and local impacts of climate change, response actions and adaptation needs. Adaptation Finance The recent pledges made by the developed countries on enhancing climate finance to support adaptation in developing countries to adjust to worsening climate crisis impacts were welcomed in the outcome document from COP26. It observed that the contribution made by the Adaptation Fund and the Least Developed Countries Fund represent significant progress when compared with various effects. The current climate finance for adaptation and base of stakeholders remain insufficient to respond to worsening climate impacts. The COP calls upon insufficient to respond uh, to worsening climate change impacts. COP calls upon multilateral developmental banks, other financial institutions and the private sectors to enhance financial mobilization to deliver the scale of resources needed to achieve plans, particularly for adaptation and encourages parties to continue to explore innovative approaches and instruments for mobilizing finances for adaptation from private sources. Mr. Guterres at an emergency summit in Milan, Italy at the end of September had called for funding of for funding for developing nations 50% for adaptation and resilience to the climate crisis. He said adaptation needs are increasing every year. Developing countries already need $70 billion for adaptation and that figures could more than quadruple to $300 billion a year by the end of this decade. The WFP is working with communities to adapt to the changing climate that threatens their ability to grow food, secure incomes with stand shocks. It has supported 39 governments helping them to realize their national climate ambitions. 
In 2020, the WFP implemented climate risk management solutions in 28 countries, which benefited more than 6 million people, so that they are better prepared for climate shocks and stress and can recover faster. In India, the WFP and Ministry of Environment, Climate Change, and Forestry. are planning to develop a best practice model on adaptation and mitigation with potential support from the adaptation fund here are a few key areas or measures we should focus on first creating resilient livelihoods and food security solutions by protecting and improving the livelihoods of vulnerable communities second the adaptation of climate resilient food crops such as millets for national security third enabling women's control and ownership of production processes and assets and increased value addition and doco solutions fourth promoting a resilient agricultural sectors by creating sustainable opportunities access to finance and innovation for small holder farmers with climate information and preparedness fifth building capacity and knowledge of civil society and governments for vulnerability analysis to increase food security by addressing the link between food security and climate risk fixing broken food system the climate crisis impacts all parts of the global food system from production to consumption it destroys lands and crops kills life livestock depletes fisheries cuts off transport to the market this impacts food production availability diversity access and safety at the same time food system impact the environment and are a driver of climate change cop26 came into the pioneering new and food system summiting in september which was a wake up call that food systems are an equal strained and that food systems are uh, as broken as 800 million people are going to bed hungry The United Nations Special Envoy for Food Systems Summit, Agnes Kalibata, has called for an unprecedented focus on food systems, food and agriculture by ensuring that COP27 has a dedicated focus on this. Reimagining food systems requires us to look at food systems through the prism of climate change adaptation and mitigation. We must also entail making them resilient to climate change and pandemics while making them green and sustainable. We are on the cusp of transformation to make the world free of hunger by 2030 and deliver promises for sustainable developmental goals with strong cooperation and partnership between governments. citizens civil society organization and the private sector this requires reimagining the food system through balancing growth and sustainable uh, sustainability mitigating climate change ensuring health safe healthy safe quality and affordable food with investments from governments and the private sectors in supporting farmers while maintaining biodiversity improving resilience and offering attractive incomes and work environment to small holders and youth Bishore Parajuli is United Nations World Food Programme representative and country director to India. Recast this apples and oranges ranking method. The NIRF's ranking of state-run and centrally funded higher education institutions on a common scale is problematic. This article is written by Milind Kumar Sharma. The ranking of state-run higher education institutes that is HEIS together with centrally funded institutions such as IIT, 
the Indian Institute of Science, National Institutes of Technology, Central Universities, etc., using the National Institutional Ranking Framework or the NIRF, a methodology adopted by the Ministry of Education, Government of India, to rank institutions of higher education in India, is akin to comparing apples and oranges. The outline Institute data. The NIRF outlines a methodology to rank HEIAs across the country, which is based on a set of metric, metrics for the ranking of HEIS as agreed upon by a core committee of experts set up by the then Ministry of Human Resource Development, now the Ministry of Education, Government of India. The rationale to compare state universities and colleges with the Ivy League of India to which the central government is committed to sponsoring resource and infrastructure is inexplicable. The central government in Mark sums 7,686 crore rupees and 7,643.26 crore rupees to the IITs and central universities respectively in the union budget 2021. According to All India Survey, on higher education, that is AISHE 2019-20 report, there are 1,043 HEIS. Of these, 48 are central universities, 135 are institutions of national importance, 1 is a central open university, 386 are state public universities, 5 are institutions under the state legislature, Act 14 are state open universities, 327 are state private universities, 1 is a state private open university, 36 are are government deemed universities, 10 are government aided deemed universities and 80 are private deemed universities. A close study of this data shows that 184 are centrally funded institutions out of 1043 HEIS in the country to which the government of India generously allocate its financial resources in contrast to inadequate financial support provided by state governments to their respective state public universities and colleges. Ironically, out of the total student enrollment, the number of undergraduate students is the largest, 13,97,527 in state public universities, followed by state open university that is 9,22,944. Deficiency in the focus. The financial health of state-sponsored HEIS is an open secret with salary and pension liabilities barely being managed. Hence, rating such institution vis-a-vis centrally funded institution does not make any sense. Interestingly, no agency carries out a cost-benefit analysis of state versus centrally funded HEIS on economic indicators such as return on investment the government made into them. Vis-a-vis the contribution of the students and national building parameters such as the number of students who passed out serving in rural areas tier 2 and tier 3 cities of the country and bringing relief to the common man. When, while students who pass out of the elite institutions generally prefer to move abroad in search of higher studies and better career prospects, a majority of state HEIS contribute immensely in building the local economy. Given the challenges state HEIS face in their day-to-day functioning, the NIRF seems to have taken cognizance of only the strength of institutions while completely disregarding the problems and the ped- impediments they encounter. Hence, disallowing a level playing field to state universities and colleges vis-a-vis their centrally funded counterparts. It must be noted that 420 universities in India are located in rural areas. Scarce resources and the lack, lack adequate attitudes of state 
preclude such institutions from uh, competing with centrally sponsored and strategically located HEIS. Ranking Parameters The NIRF rank HEIS on five parameters teaching, learning and resources, research and profi- professional practices, graduation outcome, outreach and inclusivity, and perception. To take stock of the situation, let us first analyze two important NIRF parameters in the context of state HEIS. Teaching, learning and resources include metrics where student strength including doctoral students, faculty student ratio with an emphasis on permanent faculty, a combined metric for faculty with a qualification of PhD and experience and financial resources and their utilizations. In the absence of adequate faculty strength, most estate HIS lag behind in their crucial NIRF parameter for ranking. The depleting strength for teachers from 15,18,813 to 15,3,156 as a result of continuous retirement and low recruitment has further weakened the faculty-student ratio with an emphasis on permanent faculty in HEIS. Research and professional practice encompasses a combined uh, metric for publications, a combined metric for quality of publications, intellectual property rights, patents and the footprints of projects, professional practice and executive development programs. As most laboratories need drastic modernization in keeping pace with today's market demand, it is no wonder that state HEIS fare miserably in the parameters as well as while pitted against central institutions. Interestingly, the share of PhD students is the highest in state public universities, that is 29.8%, followed by institutes of national importance, that is 23.2%, deemed university, private, that is 13.9%, and central universities, that is 13.6%. While the funds state HEIS receive are much less when compared to centrally funded institutions. As quality research publications and the number of patents filed in the state HEIS are contingent on well-equipped laboratories, modern libraries, generally funded infrastructure, it is imperative for policymakers to reorient financial allocation strategies towards state HEIS. Similarly, three other NIRF parameters too offer little opportunity for state HEIS to compete with their better and conveniently placed competitors for ranking. The total enrollment in higher education has been estimated to be 38.5 million, 19.6 million boys and 18.9 million girls. Female students constitute 49% of the total enrollment where state HEIS struggle. There is another aspect. State HEIS are struggling to embrace emerging technologies involving artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain, smart boards, handheld computing devices, adaptive computer testing for student developments, and other forms of educational software, hardware to remain relevant as per the new education policy. Therefore, when these two are put together, ranking HEIS on a common scale purely based on strength without taking notes of the challenges and the weakness they face is not justified. It is time the NIRF plans an appropriate mechanism to rate the output and the performance of institutes in light of their constraints and the resources available to them. Melinda Kumar Sharma teaches in the Department of Production and Industrial Engineering, MBM Engineering College, Faculty of Engineering and Architecture, Jain Narayana Vyas University, Jodhpur, that is the erstwhile University of Jodhpur and the views expressed are personal.